your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to the coaching staff episode number 19. Took a week off from the interview episodes, but we are back and better than ever with the coaching staff and my good friend, Mr. Tony D. Viss. Uh, is on the other end of the line as we are going to tackle the topic of bench fluidity, organizing your bench, what you have your assistant coaches doing, so forth and so on. Uh, Tony, are you ready to roll today, my man? I am. You know, it's uh, they're talking about the weather forecast actually getting above zero here. So yeah, my my mood is is uh, peaked up and I'm ready to roll. I have I, I can I'm actually recording this in our living room because nobody else is home except for me and Charlie right now, and I'm looking out and I can actually see the pavement of our street for the first time in about a week and a half, which is which is nice. Um, and we you know right before the the storm of the half century comes through, our furnace takes a crap on us, so we were uh, frantically trying to get a new furnace put in. We we did get it put in, uh, but. You know, you get the fun stuff of having to now pay for the furnace. Yeah. Um, but, again, it is what it is. It's better, you know, we're fortunate enough to be in a situation where, you know, we can, in theory, afford it and and take care of ourselves and, and not be in a situation where it could have been a lot worse for us. So, uh, But I am ready for some balmy 30, 35-degree temperatures after uh, the Alberta Clipper uh, rip through most of the United States this week, this last week, and over the Christmas day. So, yeah, it was crazy, you know, with the wind and and blizzard like conditions. You know, I fought like a four day battle trying to get the the driveway so we get it get in and out of the driveway. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. I've I've even heard 40s on Thursday here in Cedar Rapids. So, wow. I would probably go shorts and a t shirt that day. I was hoping to see Speedo myself. <laughs> nobody's nobody's hoping for that. <laughs> Well, before we go too far down the rabbit hole here on uh, swimwear in, in in balmy Iowa around the turn of the new year, uh, let's get back into benches and bench organization. Uh, you know, Tony, for myself, I've had kind of two different benches the last couple of years. Uh, uh, my, my staff that I had at SCUT was a very, very experienced staff. Um, my staff... At Fort Calhoun, uh, they they do a great job, but they are not as experienced as the coaches that I had when I was at Scott. And so, you know, it's it's been two different things. Uh, both both have done a terrific job for me, uh, but it's it's been a little bit different in that regard and how we organize things. Yet some things definitely stay the same. Um, with with our with with either bench, I have one coach that keeps track of fouls and timeouts, and that's really really important to me. Especially when I know it's going to be a close game, I want to know uh, my my current JV coach Jessica right now. I think she gets really tired of me when we get into about halfway through the third quarter of a close game. Okay, how many fouls do we have? What's their mm-hmm. foul? What's their timeout situation? Uh, but that you know, I make sure that that is. Uh, right next to me at all times because I think those are two. When you're managing a game, I think knowing your timeout situation and knowing your foul situation, and along with that, uh, we have an assistant coach, uh, or Jess is the same coach that keeps track of the other team's free throws and how they're shooting free throws that evening. Now, through our max preps, 
most of the time we have statistics coming into the game. You know, Susie Smith for West High is, is shooting 12 of 20, 60% for the year. So we've got that ready to go. But we also kind of try to take into account how they're shooting free throws that game as well. And, and that is a really, really big thing for me in our bench organization. Do you have, did you, when you were coaching varsity or now at Kennedy, Tony, do you have somebody that does that type of stuff for you? Yeah, you know, you were talking about your experience with, and it's been interesting over the last, you know, 10 years here, uh, just in terms of, you know, as the varsity head coach and had, you know, different assistants, they each had specific responsibilities. And like you're mentioning, timeouts and fouls are definitely a part of that. And then uh, when I switched over to coaching boys, my first year with the boys, um, you know, being the, the head sophomore coach, but I would also sit varsity bench, um, you know, just a little bit different role for me having to be on the bench and what I was doing with them. And then COVID comes around and now you're trying to, you know, separate your squads as much as possible. So if mm-hmm. somebody gets it, it doesn't shut down the whole program or whatever. And so kind of steered away from that. And, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I, I don't mind this, like coaching my game being done and if we're we're at home i'm about two minutes from the school and mm-hmm. so there are times that i would walk out of the gym after we were done playing and go home and then i could watch the varsity game on our huddle camera uh-huh. and so that worked out pretty slick but you know being the sophomore head coach i have one assistant and so a lot of responsibility falls to him in terms of that but you know one of the nice things that we have is we have a guy that uh, is our scorekeeper and he does it for both sophomore and varsity and he he goes on the road a lot with this too but he does an excellent job you know hey tony that's two or hey tony that's three and it keeps me very aware of what how many fouls our guys have and then with chris chris you know helps him with timeouts and then the other thing you know when you when you're managing a game and you sub somebody out when they come by you you know and i, I tell my guys this i'm like hey just know that a lot of times when you come by me, I'm telling you the thing or two that I need you to fix and not do again. Mm. And so then Chris comes along, you know, so to speak, and puts his arm around him. Hey, this is what he means. You're doing a good job here. He just doesn't have the time to tell you what all you're doing. Well, right now he's got to get back to paying attention to what's going on in the game. And is the other team changing up their defense or or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of moving parts that go on. And, you know, uh, with just two of us, we've got to divide that up well and, and, and in a way that, that makes sense and is smooth and helps put our players in the best position possible. Do you talk about that with your assistant coach before the game starts or the season starts that, hey, here's here's what I'm probably going to need from you as my, my number two in that regard? Because I know I've been there, Tony, where uh, – you you get so locked in on what's going on on the floor and to me practice is the time to teach when we get into games you're still teaching but obviously you have to be especially as a head coach you have to be really really focused with the things that are going on on the floor so are, are you talking with your assistant coach before the season even starts about you know this is the way it's going to be sometimes here's how I'm going to you know, there's going to be multiple times where I'm just going to shuffle a kid off to you and say, hey, talk to talk to Tommy about his box outs or whatever it may be. Yeah, Chris, Chris and I have been together now. This is year number four that we've been together. One of the years he had to take off because of COVID, and then he had some, some health situation that he couldn't get COVID with. And so, you know, he's technically been with me all four, but took one of those years off. And so we talk, usually before the season begins, we'll meet up. 
and kind of walk through, you know, this is what this team looks like. This is how they did as freshmen. Um, and then just kind of go through our roles again. Uh, mm-hmm. He is the post coach. Like when we split up and do post perimeter work, he takes the post guys. Um, and then during like a practice, you know, you were talking about the teaching and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'll be explaining things and, and different things that will go on. And then, you know, if we're in our team stuff, there's 10 guys on the floor. We have 20 22 23 team members and so the guys that are out will be by him and if they have questions they'll be asking him because a lot of times i'm in the middle of like refereeing or trying to explain something Mm -hmm. but when you were talking about teaching it just reminded me of today we're doing a late game situation up four minutes ago um a team scores to cut it to two the other team misses the team down by two comes down to play I call a foul, and I don't really know if it was a foul or not, but there was nine-tenths of a second left. This kid had been struggling with free throws. I wanted to see if he could knock down two free throws with nine-tenths of a second on the clock. Mm -hmm. So he misses the first one. I call a timeout, grab the group, and say, hey, we got to miss this free throw here, and here's the little play that we're going to put in for the missed free throw. He makes the free throw. So now (laughs) it's a one-point game with nine-tenths of a second left. Uh So they put a lot of heavy pressure on the inbounder. The guy tries to throw it deep, but he throws it out the end line on the other end. So now we come all the way back. It's now running an out-of-bounds play. So we call another timeout, and I made a little small change in one of our out-of-bounds plays for a lob play because we talked about hey if it's four tenths of a second or more you can catch and shoot but it's nine tenths here we probably don't have time to take a bounce definitely not two bounces off Mm -hmm. this thing so we throw it up the kid catches it with his offhand throws it up and it goes in at the horn to win the you know to win the late game situation Mm -hmm. but it was just neat to pull them in after that and walk them through all of the teaching stuff there um you know but yeah it'd be just it's it's fun to do a lot of the 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 coaching and teaching, if you will, in practice. But like you're talking about alluding to in a game, you don't have time to do that. And that's where you have to shove some of that responsibility off to your assistants who hopefully you trust and are in the, in the same line of thinking, same strategy as what you are. Mm-hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving are taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Have you ever given your assistant coaches any decision-making authority? Like... I'm a, you know, like a court, almost like a coordinator type of a deal. Have have you, have you ever had an, an assistant that you've done something like that with Tony? Um, I've, I've done, been a part of staffs where, um, and I wasn't necessarily the head coach on this staff, but we had one guy who was responsible for the offense, one guy who was responsible for the defense and a third guy who was responsible for out of bounds plays. And that was kind of interesting to break it up like that. I was the one in 
you know, responsible for the offense, that technically the head coach ran the defense and then the other assistant coach, he ran the out of bounds plays. And that worked out okay. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where in terms of things, I've like delegated responsibilities in terms of like substitutions and in terms of uh, maybe like with out of bounds plays and then like position group, like, hey, the post guys are yours or the guards or whoever, but I haven't done it as the head coach mm-hmm. as kind of like a coordinator thing. Yeah. I, uh, I would give my assistant coach, Sarah Goodwin, uh, she would do a lot of the out of bounds plays uh, mm-hmm. for us, and I would give her pretty much carte blanche. You know, I, there was on more than one connect, uh, situation, games tied, twenty five seconds left, and we've got it underneath, so we call it out of bounds. I'm like, hey, get them set up, get them ready to go here, and I would give her twenty or thirty seconds to explain that, and then okay, after we score, then I step in. After we score, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, mm-hmm. We're we're gonna be in this press, or we're gonna get back to this, or whatever it may be. Um, I know. Uh, one situation I did the substituting when I was an assistant coach at one point, I did the, the substituting and that worked out overall really, really well. I I think that one's a little bit more difficult though, because at certain times as a head coach, you're just going to want to say, here's the five kids I want out on the floor. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I would, I would not do that myself, uh, just because I, I know how I want to see the game and, and kind of where my gut's going at times. So, um, that's something that would be hard for me to do. Uh, but somebody entrusted me with that, uh, years and years and years ago. So, uh, those, those are other things that you can do with your bench as well. What about Tony, uh, especially with John, how does he organize, uh, suggestions, communication with his assistant coaches? Yeah. Um, you know, John, John's got a lot of like specific designations, you know, uh, he's got one guy on the bench who is doing the stats, like live stats. He's got a program that he's doing the stats on during the game. So when they go in at halftime, they have everything broken down. Like this program will spit them, you know, feedback of all, all kinds of stuff. He has another coach that watches about as much film as what he does. And that guy is giving him suggestion after suggestion in terms of, strategy and what the other team is doing um they have teams broken down very very well like when you make a call they know pretty much what you're what you're doing from that standpoint um and this guy also in the past and i don't know if they still do it or not but this guy also in the past was responsible for substitutions now john can overrule that yeah and john can also like make his own substitutions as well it doesn't all fall on jeff's shoulders um, but that's kind of how they divide most of their stuff up. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I had it, and again, when I had a more experienced basketball staff, uh, when I was at Scott, uh, I had a you know again three or four really really terrific coaches. Uh, but I kind of found myself at one point hearing too many voices, and mm-hmm. and so what I told my coaches is, hey, I want to hear your, I want to hear your opinions, I want to hear. Uh, what your suggestions may be, because I don't have all the I don't have all the answers, obviously. But we need to do this more organized. And yep. what we came up with is we were going to have our assistants funnel it through Coach Ritz, Jeff Ritz, uh, who won about 500 games here, and he was my assistant for seven or eight years at Scott. He uh, and and if Coach Ritz thought it was something that should be passed on 
then he would pass it on. Other, you know, so I, I told Jeff, hey, you process it, whatever Mark Sarah says to you or Sarah says to you or Kurt says to you, whatever it may be, uh, or we would tell the players, hey, if, if you see something out there, tell an assistant, they'll tell Coach Ritz. If Coach Ritz thinks it's a good idea, he'll pass it along to me. And uh, that's, that's the way that we handled it so that instead of me listening to three, four, five different voices on the bench, I was only really listening for one voice when it came to suggestions just so that simplified things for me and I wasn't grasping at so many different things. Yeah, you know, and there was a part like, don't get me wrong, I – you know, last year I sat bench with those guys at the state tournament, um, you know, as far as things and would make suggestions and stuff. But I felt like at times, you know, with his staff and then adding me to it, now you've got four assistant coaches, kind of like what you're talking about. You're getting too much. Yeah. And so I think if you can streamline it and have one person who's kind of in tune with you, like, hey, I think this is something that Marty would want to do. I think this is good in terms of strategy and suggestions and stuff like that. If you could have that one person that could do that and the other assistants feed back to him. But a lot of times what John will do, like if it's a full timeout, he might spend like 15 to 25 seconds of that timeout talking to the assistants and getting feedback and stuff mm-hmm. before addressing the team. Because I think a lot of times, you know, when you go into a timeout as a head coach, you've got like five, 10 things that you want to say to them. Mm-hmm. And that's just too many. Yeah. And so if you can give them two or three things out of a timeout, yeah. you are, they are much more likely to be able to, you know, process that and then make some of the, the tweaks that you want them to make rather than giving them, you know, eight, nine, 10 different items that they're, they, for, they left you, you know, back at six or seven. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. For me, unless it's a, uh, something really, really obvious, like, you know, we, we've turned it over four times on our press break, so we've got to call timeout because nobody's safe in the gym, you know, type of a thing. <laughs> Excuse me there. Um, usually it's, it's one thing on offense, one thing on defense is what we really try to emphasize. Hey, we got to get the ball moving side to side more on our offense. It's becoming stagnant. You know, Mary, don't hold the ball so long. Catch, rip, find the rim. Shot's not there. Drive's not there. Move it. Uh, defensively, our closeouts have got to be better. Work on your closeouts till the next time we get together. You know, and, and 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 I try to keep it. You know, one offensive emphasis, one defensive emphasis, because I think after that, the kids don't. Uh, they're not going to remember anything. They're not going to. No. You know, if if you throw too much at them, they're not going to remember it. Because you're in the middle of a stressful situation. And think about how much, you know, you could remember in a stressful situation. Now you're asking, you know, 15, 16, 17-year-olds to remember all that stuff. It d- doesn't happen. And so, like you said, it just has to be filtered down. It has to be condensed down. And if they can, like you said, get one offense, one defense, and, you know, if you need to touch on an, a special situation, whether it's a press break or an out-of-bounds play, you're probably at the limit right there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, two or three things and, and move on. Any unusual habits you have on the bench tony any any weird things that you may do as a coach that you know make keeps your bench interesting let's let's leave it at that you know one of the things i find myself doing is like in a way i go where the ball's at so like you know if if the ball's towards half court i usually sit up by the table and if we're shooting free throws or the other team's shooting free throws or out of bounds play I find myself on the end of our bench down there so that I can, you know, talk to them and I'll sit down, you know, on the end of the bench and talk to those guys down there a little bit here and there. But I try to on occasion, more so before the game, just make sure, you know, you have a fist bump to everybody on your bench. 
that they know that they're involved and they're important. You know, I was watching film the other day and the thing that really stood out to the, I wasn't scouting the team that was doing this was scouting the other team, but the team that I, that ended up making a big impression on me, their bench would sit there and, you know, chant defense when they were on defense and they were very, very engaged. And that was the team that ended up winning, you know, just that, that tight knit group. And so, you know, that'll be one of the things when we play that team, that I'll encourage my bench. Let's make sure that we are as engaged as what they are and support our teammates and, and different things. But that's probably my, my weirdest thing that I do is I, I usually go to the level of the ball. If yeah. we're out at half court, I'm sitting up by the scorer's table. If it's along the, our baseline, whether we're playing defense or offense, shooting a free throw, whatever, I'm usually down on the end of the bench. I have this thing, and I think I got it from Mike Power, uh, who I my, my original – uh, coach, yeah, yeah. The original coach I worked for, a uh, very important uh, friend in my life. Uh, but I have this thing where I, especially with my assistant coach, uh, Ginger, um, I, I just ask her questions that she has no idea what the answer is. You know, <laughs> wh- why, why does why does Becky do that? What what, what was she seeing there? You know, and and, I, and I'm not saying it out loud. I, I just kind of have my you know, kind of in my thinker's position, and, and I'm just like, what, what, are, what, what is, what what are is we she doing? doing? What is she doing? Ginger, why, why, do, why don't we box out, you know? And, and uh, my first year at Fort Calhoun, Michael, my, my son, was helping us out, and after about the third game, Ginger went up to Michael, and she goes, what does your dad want me to say? Because I have no idea what to say to him. <laughs> and Michael's like, I don't know. Alarm. That's what I've been doing the last nineteen, twenty years. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I don't know. And, and so I, so she came up to me and she said, you know, uh, when you're saying those things, are you looking for an answer, or are you just looking for, are you just talking about the game as it's going? That's more talking about the game as it's going and 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 what they're doing there. So uh, just trying to vent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, trying to vent very quietly, but just you know. Um, you know, and and again, it's it's nothing really demonstrative or anything like that. But uh, it's 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 a little something that uh, until Ginger pointed out to me, and now I try not to do it, but I can't help myself sometimes. <laughs> and and I know she's going to say something after the game when I do do it. So uh, you know, hopefully hopefully we're not saying that too much the next couple of months here. We'll we'll see how it goes. So um, anything else on bench organization, Tony? Um, it's just like anything, you know, the, the better you can have it set up in terms of, you know, how it flows, there's some organization behind it, the better off it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I thought that you brought up that was important, designate things to specific coaches. And if you don't have a big staff, maybe it's you and one other, split it up if you can, or 60-40, 70-30, whatever the case may be. But just make sure there's some organization and structure. And then as a head coach – you know, you want to empower those assistant coaches and help them take some of those next steps in the coaching process because maybe one day they hope to mm-hmm. be able to run their their own program. And if you haven't done that, you know, in terms of giving them responsibility and stuff like that, you're you're kind of cheating them as well. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about: um, Do you have any other like what are you know fouls? I talked about fouls, timeouts, free throws during that game. Are there any other stats that? You you said John has a stat guy. 
mm-hmm. that that has everything. Uh, but you know, for for us, we try to chart rebounding and turnovers are two other ones that we really try to get our managers to chart. Now, sometimes that's a little bit hit and miss because they get distracted or they they don't. Uh, you know they don't have the knowledge that the adults do uh, mm-hmm. on, on what they should be looking for. They do a pretty good job, but you know uh, it, it's at least something to go off of. Is there anything else that 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 you're looking at when you're working with John, or that he's asking for, or when you were a head coach? What were other things that you were looking at that you wanted to make sure that were kept track of while you were on the bench? The one thing that I would add, because I mean, I think you know, like you mentioned rebounds, fouls, turnovers, those types of things. But the other thing that I was pretty particular with is I wanted to know where they were getting their shots from. Mm. So were they pounding us in the paint? Were they, you know, shooting, say, 60% of their shots were, were from behind the three-point line? You know, uh, those those were kind of where were they getting their shots from? Were they, you know, go on the right side of the floor primarily? Were they taking a lot of threes? Were they getting looks in the paint? You know, what, what did we need to do to adjust to make them go to options, you know, two, three, or four, rather than getting their primary look all the time. Mm-hmm. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a napkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. Apenandanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. It is time, Mr. Viss, once again for sports trivia leading in from the uh, from Europe. Uh, really, really excited. Uh, I got a chance to to reach out to the Almond Brothers band this week. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna see. Uh, they've got a couple of conflicts. Uh, they've got a bar mitzvah that they're playing for, uh, but. Uh, you know, we're going to, you know, see if they're willing to open up for Europe at the third annual A Pen and a Napkin Coaches Clinic on April 1st, Saturday, April the 1st. going to be a great day. We're going to get some stuff out on that here in the next few weeks. So, uh, But it is trivia time, and Tony, it is your turn for trivia. Now, real quick before the trivia question, were you talking to Greg Allman or was it the other brother? Uh, it was, uh, Brad Allman, I believe was, was the one I was talking to, or, you know, I don't, I can't remember for sure. Uh, I I wasn't feeling well, so I don't really remember. Okay. Okay. All right. So I know last week you mentioned that, uh, your, your sports thing that you were looking forward to was NBA and Christmas day. Yep. All right. So I did a little research. Okay. Can you tell me? Because there's been 20 years of, of Christmas Day games, all right? Okay. Can you tell me the only NBA team not to play on Christmas Day? Oh, wow. That's a good one. Um, 
Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings is a good guess, but they used to be good. Haven't, haven't yeah. been so much lately, but they are lighting the beam this year. Yeah. But the Sacramento Kings is not correct. Okay. So uh, you got to think the Pacers were in there, the Bulls. The New Orleans Pelicans. Ooh, another good guess with the Pelicans, but um, they also have played on Christmas Day before. So not not the Pellies. <sighs> Tony, you're killing me, man. Uh, you said this was going to be easy. I thought it was because I figured you would know everything about because you've got like a mind like a computer. I figured you would know everything about the whole Christmas Day thing. So I thought I was I thought I was tossing you a softball on this. Um, I can't, I've got two choices. Okay. I've got two of them. I'm trying to decide which one to go with. You have been notorious for pulling a rabbit out of the hat in the third guess. Yeah, I have. I'm going to say the Washington Wizards. Ooh, really good guess, but it is not the Wizards. Can I give you my fourth one? Sure. Atlanta Hawks. Nope, that one's wrong, too. This one I was kind of surprised. I thought if you had asked for a hint, I would have said, well, this this team... um, has had a couple different mascots, but it's the Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets, Charlotte Hornets yes. are the ones that have not played. Only team to have not played on Christmas Day. Oh, wow. Okay. That's good. I, you know, I, I... You got me, Tony. You got me. <laughs> I really thought that you would get that one because you're, you're pretty good at this stuff. A lot better at, than I am. Yeah, it's okay. It's all right. I, I, uh, I will get flogged with a wet noodle. Uh, when, this, when this airs, so uh, sporting event you are looking forward to this week, Mister Viss. Well, we are in peak bowl season. Uh, we've got, I believe, the semifinal games are on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, TCU. So that is what I am looking forward to with the bowl season. I think there's a pretty good one on tonight. I want to say, uh, shoot, Wisconsin. I'm just lost who they're playing. Uh, I can look it up here real quick. If Rita gives you the opportunity to wager uh, the Viss family mortgage on who's going to be in the finals, who are you picking? I would go with, I think Georgia is going to win a closer than anticipated game against Ohio State. Yep. And I think Michigan is going to knock off uh, TCU. I think that'll be close, but I see Michigan winning it by 10 to 14. I concur wholeheartedly with you. So thank you, Rita, for... Uh, letting us gamble your money away, and uh, we'll, we'll place a wager here because uh, it's legal to gamble uh, sports betting in Iowa, Tony. So it you, is. You, you it could is. do that. So now you. We, might... uh, I sat down with my uh, government class the other day. A buddy of mine printed off the bowl sheet, and so we were they were working on some stuff. One kid who loves sports and I were talking, so we went through and made our predictions and right now we are sitting at two and five. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah. That's not good. It not is, good. So uh, in other words, Ohio State and TCU <laughs> are probably gonna play the national championship go, for football. Go in the completely different opposite direction as Tony Viss. Uh yes. it's Wisconsin and Oklahoma State tonight in There the, we go. I knew it was the fighting Gundies. Yes. Uh we got a kid from the Omaha area that was uh, recruited, he signed at Oklahoma State to be their next stud quarterback. So, because <laughs> uh, uh, I think Sanders is transferring, isn't he? I have no idea. Haven't 
I haven't followed it. Uh, I've been I've been so busy with either family stuff or a pen and a napkin stuff or Fort Calhoun girls basketball stuff that I've followed very little of that. I just know that uh, Iowa has a different quarterback next year, the the kid from Michigan, and, and uh, that's about it. That's that's what I know, Tony. That's what I know. Okay. So. Hey, what's your sporting event? Yeah, I don't know if you said yours. Uh, well, yeah, I uh, semifinal, uh, uh, semifinals of the and just the whole bowl thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, especially growing up as a kid in the eighties, uh, January first was always a really big day um, to watch football all day, and especially like uh, us as Iowa kids, Tony. If like if Iowa made it to the Rose Bowl, I remember the eighty six Rose Bowl and and. Uh, the uh, fighting Terry Donahue's of UCLA just tore up our beloved Iowa Hawkeyes there, but uh, um, you know, just just looking forward to the to the bowl games and and the the real bowl season kind of kicking in. You know, the the uh, the Nesquik uh, Idaho Potato uh, Saskatchewan <laughs> Bowl. Uh, yeah. You know that one doesn't really get it going for me, but when you get into uh, the traditional ones, the Liberty Bowl, the Peach Bowls, the the playoff, yeah. uh, the Outbacks. You know, th- th- those are the ones that get me excited and, and get me watching. So I'll I'll definitely be checking those out. Sounds good. So, well, anything else, Mister Viss, this week? No, I think uh, you know. Just it was it was good. You know, just to think through why we do what we do mm-hmm. and how you designate and organize your bench, and you know, just things that I don't know if everybody kind of gets into that you know, detail of things, but it is super important if you want to make sure that you are making a, a rational thought through decision. You've, you've already thought it through ahead of time. Well, and it's a fine line where you, you want to play to your assistant coaches' strengths, but you can't have three or four people talking to you at once or trying to put ideas because, you know, you know, just as well as I do, Tony, assistant coaches are there for a reason. They want to help. They want to be part yep. of the process. They and, want to feel valued yeah, and a part of things. Absolutely. Yep. So you, uh, you, you have to you, – you don't want to stifle their creativity, their willingness to, to bounce ideas off of you as a head coach, but there's got to be some sort of organization to it. There's got to be some sort of system to it so that, you know – more actually ends up being less. You want less to actually be more. And and I think that's important that you have those important conversations with your coaches before the season even starts. And, and you know, you tweak it along the way. You can tweak it along the way. Uh, I know we've tweaked things uh, along the way throughout the years, and, and that's what you do. Uh, that's what good coaching staffs do, and, and they give and take. And, and, and I think one of the important things that you try to do as a head coach is you ask your assistant coaches, okay, what are the two or three things that you feel really, really comfortable with during a game? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then they can kind of tell you. And if you're thinking, hey, I'm, you know, I'm really comfortable watching the defense and and picking up on what the other team's doing on defense, and you thought that they were an offensive person or whatever the scenario may be, uh, that's 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 invaluable to help the team perform at its highest level. And, and so those are just simple questions you can ask your coaches as to what or or another thing I've done is, hey, I, I need somebody that's going to do this. I need somebody that's going to do this. I need somebody that's going to do this. 
you three figure it out. I don't care who does what, but you let me know. These three things need to get covered. And that gives some autonomy to your assistant coaches. That gives them some say into what's going on with your group as well. Yeah, good points. Really good points. Yeah, so. Well, here, here we are, episode number 19 of the coaching staff organizing your bench. I uh, hope folks have gotten a lot of good stuff off of this. Uh, we'll be back with interview podcasts on Monday, uh, January the 2nd. We'll be doing some interview. Uh, we'll do an interview over the weekend here. Uh, looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good one for you folks. Uh, from Tony Devis, Happy New Year, Tony, by the way. Yeah, you uh, too, Marty. You know, um, you know, going to be uh, Saturday night, New Year's Eve. So hopefully not too many shenanigans go down here. Uh, so coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.